0: Hello everyone and welcome to the Kane and Rinse podcast, Volume 6, Issue 275. In this issue we will be covering Beautiful Joe, but before we get into that, play along with Canaan and Rinse. We've got some great issues coming up. Um, next up, R-Type and R-Type 2, Life is Strange, Joust, Legacy of Cain, Soul Reaver, and Until Dawn. You can head over to the canaan Rinse website, KaneandRinse.com, to see the full list of issues up to and including issue 300. You can also find articles, features, reviews, links to our forum, Facebook page, and YouTube channel. And also, you will find our uh, Patreon page, if you look that up. We do have an ongoing goal that if we reach $3,000 Per month, by mid-November, we will be doubling from 50 podcasts a year to 100. So please head over to patreon.com slash So, joining me, Joshua Garrity, in issue 275R, Michael Croda, Davidson is in the house. No, it's just me. It's just me. <laughs> Uh, and someone whose real name I still don't believe is actually his real name, uh, Saurian Dash, better known as Saur. Thank you for joining us.
1: Yo, what's up, everyone?
0: I'm sure uh, quite a few people listening to this will be familiar with your work at Future Press and on YouTube, but uh, for anyone who isn't in the know, could you give uh, everyone kind of a rundown of your exploits? Oh, yeah,
1: sure. I've I've been writing official guides for action games for quite some time. Um, I started off with um, Devil May Cry 4, and some of the other ones I've done is Bayonetta, uh, vanquish and uh yeah quite a few other ones as well and I also run a youtube channel which um just shows various exploits on action games
0: fantastic and i'm sure that knowledge will come in uh, a lot of use for this coming issue uh, as you fill in the gaps of my uh, admittedly uh, limited knowledge about the depth of some of these action games so thank you for joining us
1: oh, it's a pleasure
0: so beautiful joe is a 2D side-scrolling beat-'em-up with a few twists uh, developed by Capcom Production Studio 4, Team Beautiful. Um, A lot of the uh, team members working on this, um, uh, specifically Hideki Kamiya, uh, would go on to work on a lot of Clover games, And Clover, of course, went on to form Platinum down the line when Clover dissolved. Um, Hideki Kamiya is responsible for a number of games that I really love. In fact, uh, M. Craig on the forum felt uh, the need to say, Beautiful Joe stuck out to me because of its zaniness. It's a brightly coloured game, often chaotic, difficult if you don't know what you are doing, but marvellous to watch in the hands of a skilled player. What surprised me most when years later I developed a more keen interest in video game developers and directors. I realized that the same person responsible for Beautiful Joe also created some other all-time favourites, the Resident Evil and Bayonetta series. Hats off to Hideki Kamiya, Manza, bloody genius. <laughs> Yes, yeah, uh, and I, definitely. I, I, I couldn't <laughs> agree more. So, I mean, to run off a few of um, his note, the notable entries on his resume, you've got Devil May Cry, the original. You've got Resident Evil 2. You've got uh, Okami. You've got Beautiful Joe. You've got Bayonetta 1. You've got Wonderful 101. Am I mm. missing one, gentlemen? The uh, oh, sadly
2: no. cancelled uh, scale band. Oh,
0: indeed, yeah, yes. That's right. uh, um, so that's uh, yeah, Hideki Kamiya, a man with quite the resume. So there are there are some other notable names. So we have Kimiko Sukune, uh as the art lead artist on Beautiful Joe, um, which is notable due to the unique art style this game has. Mm-hmm. Um, you have uh, uh, Masakazu uh, Sugimori and Masami uh, Ueda. Uh, working on the uh, music.
2: Atsushi Naba was the producer, and he's uh, uh, pretty much uh, yeah. He, he, I think he's a co-founder of uh, Platinum Games, producer of, of many of their games.
0: It's worth noting that Beautiful Joe was a part of a campaign uh, launched by uh, Capcom called the Capcom Five, which were five games that it was going to launch exclusively on the GameCube. Those games include Resident Evil Four, Beautiful Joe itself, P N O Three. Killer 7, and the, unfortunately, cancelled Dead Phoenix. So the Capcom 5 became the Capcom 4. P N 3 is the notable one that didn't make the the transfer over to PS2, but pretty much every other entry here made its way way to PS2 with varying levels of success. I think it's kind of universally... I mean, generally considered that um, the uh, GameCube versions of all of these games at the time were considered um, the kind of definitive ways to play each of these games yeah Yeah, definitely Um, obviously resident evil 4 has had a few uh, re-releases since then so uh, that might be much more open to debate (laughs) so um some of the notable influences on uh, beautiful joe immediately obvious is the 2d side-scrolling beat-em-up genre Um, Obviously, Beautiful Joe adds its own twists and turns to the formula, which we'll go into in detail. But that's kind of the starting point for uh, Beautiful Joe. Uh, But in terms of aesthetic influences, I think it's very obvious that Super Sentai is a, a huge influence on this and not the only time that Super Sentai has been an influence on uh, Hideki Kamiya uh, showing up again in the wonderful 101. Yeah. Uh, for those who are not familiar with what Super Sentai is um, most of you will be familiar with the Americanized version of it which is the Power Rangers where they essentially took the uh, footage of the Super Sentai fighters, and then edited in a teenage high school drama in between uh, mm. to make so it all made sense for American viewers. Yeah. But um, uh, Super Sentai has a long, long history with multiple, multiple iterations with different teams yeah. um, that you can uh, find out about. With that, um, let's dive into our histories with Beautiful Joe, um, and I'm going to start with Sorian, if that's okay. Cool.
1: I got it on a GameCube, I got the Japanese version when it came out, and yeah, I was instantly hooked. It's got such a good system behind it. Like, um, It's like the first um, 2D side-scrolling beat-em-up that I've played that's got like an almost... 2 d 'em up kind of scoring system behind it.
2: Mm. Chaining uh, is what you mean, right?
1: Yeah, that's right. Like, battles have, like, a framework behind them. You have to do a certain thing in a certain order in order to gain points. And, like, all of the battles operate on that framework. But, of course, like, what we see later with games like Bayonetta, you can break out of that framework. Like, it's really simple to start with. But then you find, like, there's loads of nuance and there's loads of little subtle things that you could do with the enemies. To break out of the frameworks and maximize your score in each encounter
2: and how did you first find out about feudal joe
1: how did i first find out about it i think i I saw a trailer of it it must have been a trailer or something like that and i remember back then i went to the um tokyo game show and i think they must have been demoing it there and i was like instantly just enamored with it i had to have this game
2: right so you were uh already ahead of the curve there
0: yeah, yeah, I was on it,
2: and I'm going to assume uh,
0: you've obviously played it on the hardest difficulties. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm looking to you for insight into some of the
2: the higher levels. Then, Makiel. Um, yeah, for me, it, it was. Uh, the, the GameCube was my single gaming platform at the time. Of course, you know, I was since since I've been playing games longer than, than that, uh, I, I was a, a big Capcom fan and very excited that they were finally making more of a commitment to a Nintendo platform again. So I was following all the games uh, of the Capcom 5 with keen interest. Yeah, Beautiful Joe just looked really, really striking to me. And I think I bought it on European launch. Thankfully, it had a 60Hz option, so uh, I could play it as it was intended to and i was yeah it, it's it's a very strange thing because the the media coverage of it wasn't very insightful at the time so i wasn't really sure what i was in, uh, in for when i started playing it, it i just uh, thought it looked uh, it looked pretty uh, incredibly cool and when i started playing it at first i wasn't really it, yeah, I wasn't really making any conscious analysis or assessment of it when I was playing it. Yeah, it felt like amalgamation of platforming, puzzling, action-adventure, and some fighting action. But only later throughout the game, I noticed the emphasis on the, uh, the beat-em-up action. And then I started really realizing that it was pretty much uh, a supercharged 2D be- single-plane up which was also kind of interesting to me because in uh, the beat-em-up genre ever since Double Dragon, a, a game that we covered on a recent show, the single-plane beat-em-up as going way back to the likes of uh, Spartan X or Kung Fu Master is something that was kind of left behind in the annals of history. We've we've really started to uh, get accustomed to the Z-axis movement and then later on in games like uh, Onimusha and Devil May Cry, you know, the, the modern incarnation of the beat-em-up, you have full uh full free 3d movement of course and yeah but it's uh it was a pretty daring game when i all things considered when you look at it just what uh camille and his team were doing there um and still to this day it's a game that's completely different uh, unique uh, com- in comparison to a, a lot of its uh its counterparts
0: so uh, on on my end um This game came out on uh, GameCube in uh, 2003 in most territories, different months, but uh, all territories got it in 2003. And then uh, in 2004 on the PS2, I was but... A wee lad of uh, 13 years of age around this time (laughs) and um, I wasn't as well informed um, about gaming as I was or or particularly as interested in video games as I am now Um, I I was playing games obviously but I just didn't have the deep kind of knowledge or kind of um, engagement with the community that um, has become all encompassing in my uh, 20s Um, um and yeah so i i didn't really this this game kind of passed me by um on on its release and Mm -hmm. i didn't know much about it and plus i i never owned a gamecube um not properly um i was i had a ps2 and i was you know playing games like final fantasy and stuff like that um rpgs were kind of my gateway into video games and then all other genres kind of followed suit um so this is more of a case that I got into platinum games uh, uh, you know output pretty hard uh, in two thousand ten when they released both Bayonetta and vanquish both those games I consider to be absolute you know peaks of their respective sub genres uh, sub action genres Mm -hmm. Um, Vanquish is just I I, you know playing the re-release on PC recently it's just I I can't think of a third person shooter I I like playing more and Bayonetta is still kind of my uh, my favourite example of the 3D beat em up brawler Um, both those games are fantastic so and I started to notice more and more kind of developers names so you see Hideki Kamiya's name front and center on Bayonetta and you start to look back at uh, his uh, his life you know his library and the first game that you know kind of struck me as something i needed to play was um Okami um i had a ps2 um but you know i, I believe the ps3 version was actually out um uh, maybe not around then but soon after um so uh yeah i i played Okami Um, But Beautiful Joe, I bought for the PS2 and then kind of never touched and I don't really know why because like looking at this game it just feels like a Joshua Garrity game (laughs) and like having played it now I can confirm it definitely is and I I just left it for ages and ages and ages and ages and ages and ages and And then it finally came around to you know you know booking you know issues for this (laughs) for this volume of Kane and Rents and I was like what what are some games in my backlog that I am particularly ashamed that I have never got round to playing. Uh, One of them was Ninja Gaiden. And then there was Beautiful Joe, another action game, which um, it felt like I I needed to clear off the backlog. And um, here we are. Um, I I played through on Kids, which I know is not, you know, if you're a Beautiful Joe fan, that's kind of the the rookie difficulty level. But uh, Leon recommended it to me as what most people would consider normal difficulty so um i took his advice um but i'm hoping you guys can give us some insight into the higher difficulty settings so normally at this stage in the podcast i would give a spoiler warning however i'm i'm not convinced that uh it's necessary for this game um I, 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 maybe you guys disagree with me. But I don't <laughs> think. So. I don't think stories or characters are a particular focus of this game. Um, they're very much providing context for the action that's mm-hmm. about to take place, but not necessarily the reason why one would be playing this game. Is that fair to say? Yeah,
1: totally totally
0: um Mikhail, why don't you uh give us kind of a brief kind of back of the box uh description of the setup for this game
2: yeah so it's this this whole thing uh the main character joe uh is a movie fan especially uh you know old um, uh, kaiju and uh, super super sentai movies at the start of the game, he takes his uh, girlfriend Sylvia to the movie theater, and she's obviously very bored with uh, the movie he's watching. And uh, somewhere halfway through the movie, this dark, ominous uh, giant robot uh, steps out of the screen and uh, kidnaps uh, Sylvia. Uh, Joe himself, uh, Joe finds himself in the movie and uh, meets uh, his uh, his favorite hero, Captain Blue, who gives him a V watch, with which he can transform into uh, Beautiful Joe. So that's the 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 start setup of of the the game.
0: And yeah, from there, you uh, go through seven episodes of essentially what is structured like a Super Sentai TV show with various monsters and creatures capping each episode in an epic showdown.
2: Yeah, and it even has these little vignettes or this little uh uh preview of the, the the upcoming episode right at the end of a chapter after yeah. you defeat a boss yeah. very very
0: explicitly evoking kind of that you know yeah um, th- that kind of uh visual identity that super sentai kind of structure yeah and let's not forget that um when Beautiful Joe dons his uh, V-watch that given to him by Captain Blue he evokes the iconic phrase Henshin a go go baby, um, which has become synonymous with this game, and has become the thing that people reference whenever uh, future games reference this title. That is the go to phrase uh, yeah. used again in Bayonetta. Briefly,
2: uh, if we stay for on the aesthetic and uh, the, the themes for a little while. Uh, also, what 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 I loved so much, what appealed to me instantly, apart from the, the mechanics, everything, everything, you know, the the whole playing experience of the game, is that I was immediately struck with the character design of uh, of Joe, you know, his his bright red spandex outfit and the, the the pink scarf. It's this thing, like everything about it, made me realize at the time after coming after many a meddling three uh, D action adventure game, just you know. What what made me fall in love with video games in the first place? And I think Clover and Platinum and that whole team are really good at creating iconic character designs. You look at uh, Amaterasu in uh, Okami. That's Mm. such a striking design. You look at Dante in Devil May Cry. We all know of the the famous. Ninja Theory slides explaining how the character design of Dante is not cool. But and <laughs> in inside the context of, of a, a video game, I mean, if you would see someone walking on the street with long white hair and a red uh, trench coat on, you might not think that's hey, that's a really cool person walking by. But in the context of a video game, he's incredibly cool.
1: Yeah, yeah, ridiculously cool.
2: I mean, how iconic Bayonet is, we don't even need to discuss that anymore.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I think that, that whole team has sort of a... A neoclassic approach to video game character design. The characters remind me of the instantly recognizable video game characters of the past. You know, your, your Megamans, your, your, your Marios, your Sonics, uh, and uh, all, all those types of characters. Those mascot-like designs. So
0: is the is the visuals kind of a, a key part of the appeal for you as well? Yeah, I love the
1: um I love the whole VJ element where your your prowess your prowess on the controller kind of translates onto the kind of graphics that you see. So like the crazier that you get in the game, the crazier the game becomes and it mm. looks like absolute chaos but the player knows exactly what's going on all the time
2: yeah Mm -hmm. I remember I was trying to get people into the game back in the days because I was sort of evangelizing it to people and showing it to them people would just give me the Man, this looks like an ep- epileptic attack yeah. waiting to happen. You know, that's kind. Of, yeah, yeah. That's kind of the comments I was getting at the time. <laughs> so
1: I don't think the name VJ is um, you know a uh, a coincidence. You know, right. you feel like a G- you feel like a VJ when you're playing it. You're making these really awesome looking sequences.
2: That makes sense, yeah, yeah because of the uh, time manipulation powers you have as well. Yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah, the, sure. The
1: s- and the zoom ins, the zoom ins yeah. are ridiculous.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, th- I think for me, what what's so great about Beautiful Joe visually is just how clearly, even though it's really fast and really chaotic, a lot of the information is conveyed really clearly to the player. Very clearly, um, Just yeah. in terms of uh, enemy attacks. You, you're given that flashing skull uh, to indicate where enemies are going to attack on you, but honestly, that the enemies themselves animate so well, um, and it's very clear when they're about to attack. Um, they're just... It, really really good visual audio information for the player to soak in
1: yeah definitely and like the audio design is fantastic like audio cues especially on a game that's so busy like beautiful joe's it's really important because the player sometimes can't see clearly what what direction the, the uh the attack is coming from yeah so like for instance low attacks and high attacks sound different and like sometimes you go by that sound
2: i also noticed that when i was uh playing on adults recently that uh you know the bianco billies the, the cowboys and also the the zoro type character you know who appears yeah, on the smoke machines yeah that if you don't hold slow while they fire their guns you're gonna get hit Yes. But it's like a, almost like getting hit by a hit scan attack in a first person shooter, like almost instantly. Yeah. So but you can even if they're firing from off screen, you can hear the the little guns twirl, so you know how the you need to hit the slow button to uh to stop yep. projectile from hitting you instantly.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, like when an attack is coming from off screen, audio cues are so important.
2: That's something you yes. see see back in Bayonetta as well, right? With the horn yep. blows of the angels and things like yep.
1: that. The, the phrases the angels say, the, the various sound effects, and yeah, it all plays into it. And you can tell what's going on all around you without having to visually confirm it because you're too busy like making stuff look fabulous you know what I mean you haven't got time to you know what I mean yeah. you haven't
0: got time to worry about managing the fight speaking on a purely art direction note um this this is another example for me of you know pure art direction trumping any kind of you know technical horsepower because th- this game still looks amazing yeah. Yeah. like the uh um, you've already kind of touched, you know, talked about the um, the design of Joe himself, but the environments are so great um, and all the enemy designs and the boss designs. You know, you can tell that, you know, in terms of like the polygons they're using to create these characters, obviously they're limited by the tech they had at the day, but just the choice of making it so colourful and, um, you know, cell shaded and uh, just the exaggeration of all the movement and stuff like that it just it hasn't aged at all it it just it still looks visually phenomenal
2: wonderful use of uh, blacks and contrast as well real comic book style you know and and, the the backgrounds look like cardboard movie sets but not in a in a bad way They, they look like Uh, In a very convincing way, that look like uh, uh, cardboard movie sets. You know, it's a
0: it's a part of the identity of this game, and and for me, like it's been really great to kind of play, um, you know, Ninja Gaiden Black, and then immediately, kind of almost immediately, come into this because it really kind of made me not realise something, but kind of further solidify um, something I kind of knew about myself and you know how how important these kind of aesthetic values are to me mm-hmm. because into if we were you know talk comparing uh, ninja gaiden and beautiful joe purely on a mechanical level i think you know they're not far off each other i think they're they're equally as deep but beautiful joe edges it out for me just because it it makes such a strong a strong impression in this department like mm-hmm. it, it it has personality in spades like it knows what it's about and and it and i'm not just talking about the visuals here but the the sense of fun and and a willingness to uh, be self-aware and to take the mick out of itself, like the dialogue between the bosses. It's not, you know, comedy gold or anything, but that, that willingness to have humour, to have fun, to be lighthearted yeah. and not to take everything so seriously was kind of a breath of fresh air compared to uh, Ryu Hayabusa's kind of stern um, sternness in the face <laughs> of ridiculousness.
2: Core visuals are one thing, but then when you start using zoom and slow and max speed. Mm-hmm. The, the, the effects yeah. are just insane when you look at it. It's, yeah. uh, it, it, it adds a, a thick layer of magic to the whole game.
0: Yeah, totally. Let's, um, as we're kind of sliding into that direction, let's <laughs> see what I did there. Um, <laughs> let's uh, let's start talking about the combat. So um, you have your base attacks, which is a, a punch and a kick, which is very similar to a lot of beat-em-ups. But um, you soon expand that vocabulary uh, very rapidly as you're introduced to the VFX abilities, which include slow down, speed up, zoom in. Um, these are also combined with your ability to dodge enemy attacks which can stun them and you also have a couple of abilities that you can unlock using the uh, in-game currency in between missions so gentlemen um uh, let's start with Saw. like mm-hmm. i feel like i've only gotten a taste of the depth cape you know this game is capable of but i'm sure you know a lot about how how these vfx moves can be used in combat Combination to just create some absolutely amazing combos.
1: Oh yeah, definitely. Um, Like the fights are um, they're split into almost like stages. Like initially, you are trying to gain as many V points as possible by doing certain things against the enemies, and then you go into to slow, and then within slow, you can build up your multiplier on those points. So, so like the way to gain points is you can't just attack enemies that doesn't work you won't you won't get any points off of it you only get points if you kill an enemy or if you attack it during its vulnerable state and like to get an enemy into its vulnerable state is different depending on what enemy you're fighting
2: right and that's the key to to scoring and getting a, a good grade right like you get your yeah. uh, your rainbow beautiful uh that's it
1: uh, rankings yeah that's it like for instance like only two actions will gain you v points and you've got a combo timer as well so like if you perform an action which gains you a v point three seconds uh three second timer starts and then you've got three seconds in which to do something else which also gives you v points which then resets the timer so the aim is to like get as many points as you possibly can then hit slow and hit as many things as you can to build the multiplier like everything you hit within slow within a combo Mm -hmm. increases the multiplier by one and a combo in beautiful joe is simply you keeping that timer active
2: Right. Yeah, it's not the traditional length uh, moves together. It's uh, keeping the timer active by yeah. cons- keeping on killing enemies. And yeah. as soon as you let go of the slow uh, uh, of yeah. the trigger, you you lose your combo basically. Yeah, right?
1: the combo will finish. So like being, you have to be incredibly efficient during slow. Like every movement takes time. Like for instance, even turning the character around takes time so you know that you'll learn soon that punches cancel kicks and vice versa so if you throw a punch to get a multiplier one way you then throw a kick the other way to get the multiplier the other way and then you maybe go into another move but it'll always be alternating between punch and kick in order to cancel the animation same way with jump like jump cancels just about anything so like jumping and then red hot kick that will move you faster. You know what I'm saying? Or you can go like sliding, cancel into uppercut, cancel into sliding. Stuff like that moves you across the ground faster, Mm. so you have to, you really have to play around with the character's animation in order to get him moving within slow.
2: So, and that's where the uh, moves in the uh, shop come in because they're basically the 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 glue that glues your combos together. The the slides and the the red hot kick. Yeah, that's a
1: really good way to put it. Red, Red
2: hot kick was definitely one that I think was worth getting
0: early on just because it closed distance with a lot of enemies pretty quickly. I mean, I'm speaking as a much more kind of uh, lower level player, but I, I definitely use the kind of slow uppercut after stunning an enemy, and then immediately jumping into the air and red hot kicking them after the fact. Yeah. And I know Mckeele, you were talking in the green room about doing the exact same thing as well.
2: Yeah. Uh, also on a on a more noobish level, because Soar is talking about some real hardcore score uh, scoring and high level play uh, for if you want want to get those rainbow V's right. So when I started playing the game back in the days. Uh, i hadn't uh, i wasn't familiar with uh, the original uh, devil may cry yet so it, it was the, one of the first games where i started thinking outside when not playing where i started uh, ma- making sense of how everything held together in my head and started thinking of, of combos basically and then started to play again and try them out and i, w- I would uh, see that they would work for example if you Launch a stronger a- enemy uh, after you dizzied them and uh, launch them with an uppercut, and you could just jump, jump uh, after them and do those the air airjoe uh, combos yeah. in the air against them, for get example. So you get it. this sort of Marvel vs Capcom style aerial ray thing going on. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just a lo- it's was just a lot of fun to experiment uh, with with all the combos and all the stuff you could do in the game. This is much more on a, a on a basic level,
0: but the more simple effects that you get from slowdown, like um, we we've already briefly kind of touched on. Uh, um how you can deflect bullets and you know slowing down kind of deflects bullets um you punch uh, re- you know revolver rounds back at the uh, the enemies and there's also occasions where missiles kind of fire towards you and you can kind of uh, punch or kick them to- back towards the enemy yeah. yeah and i loved and i loved um getting in situations where um, you could combine the slowdown with zoom, and then do that spinner kick. Oh my god! Um, when you're surrounded by so the Joker, uh, for example, the Joker's have this attack where they summon a bunch of swords that come towards you. And to great satisfaction, I would go into slowdown, uh, zoom in, do that spin kick, and then launch every single one of those swords <laughs> right back at them. Yep. And it's a simple. It's not exactly a high level move, but it's a simple pleasure that this game uh, gives even low-level players. And I and I think, honestly, that's kind of uh, one of the reasons why I, I've really ended up falling in love with this game because I've managed to kind of scrape a lot of, you know, fun and um, visual pleasure out of even the simplest stuff. And then I go online and go on YouTube and watch some of, you know, Saw's videos and, and see what high-level play looks like and be amazed by what's going on there. But the fact that it can work on multiple levels, I, I think is a sign of a really great game where, you know, it, it works on all those levels Where whether you want to be the guy who gets all the V points and and is, you know, keeping that combo chain going forever and ever or you're someone like me who's just happy to look as cool as possible doing some simple moves um, and the Beautiful Joe definitely, you know, supplies that feeling of just being a superhero with the incredible powers yeah yeah you feel that definitely like if you if you spend
1: time on the levels and learn what you need to learn by the time you get to the end of the game you feel you feel kind of beautiful you feel like you can um you (laughs) can take on anything (laughs) especially after um after getting through the magnificent five you know if your boss strategy is one point
0: and You manage to get through that, you feel that's a serious, serious thing, you know. Uh, Mikhail, you you briefly mentioned to me that Saw, uh, you you compared the dodge, um, kind of uh, system in Beautiful Joe, uh, to kind of an early uh, predecessor of the witch time dodge, definitely in uh, Bayonetta, yeah. Um, Do you mind expanding on that for our listeners? Sure.
1: Like, there's a common chain. Like, for instance, if you look at Bayonetta, your your normal attacks in normal time will make the enemies react in a certain way like for instance, um, heavier enemies won't be able to be launched with an uppercut because they're heavier and so on. And there's certain enemies that if they're within their own attack animation, you can't hit them out of it. Right? Like you cannot interrupt these enemies out of their attacks. But if you go into to witch time, Everything suddenly changes. All of your ta- attacks are emphasized. Mm-hmm. So you're guaranteed to trigger a hit reaction or you're guaranteed to launch an, uh, a heavier enemy and so on. Beautiful Joe uses the exact same system. Yeah. And the way, for instance, um, against most attacks, you cannot be hit within slow. In Beautiful Joe, you activate an auto- automatic dodge when you hit slow if there's, um, enemy hit frames on you. Um, there's so many different things like it, it functions the same way but the thing is like the difference between Bayonetta and Beautiful Joe is simply, be- is simply that Bayonetta functions in 3D space in Beautiful Joe you have a decision to make you dodge up or down within a 2D plane in order to get the dodge right trigger the stun and all the rest of it in Bayonetta you can't make that binary decision So Mm -hmm. what they've done is they've made their own binary decision. The, The decision now is, did you dodge or not within that window? And if you dodged correctly, you will automatically, you know, trigger the time stop and get a chance to attack. But in, um in exactly the same way as well. The time stop is directly linked to scoring in Beautiful Joe and in Bayonetta. In Beautiful Joe, it builds your combo multiplier. In Bayonetta, you simply get more points for attacking enemies within which time.
2: Yeah, it's interesting what you said also about the high and uh, low dodges. Com- uh, Communioners' team must have been inspired by uh, Spartan X because, th- of course, that's yeah. an incredibly primitive, early single playing beat em up by Irem. Uh, mm-hmm. But that game is all about managing high uh, and low offense and defense
1: yeah it's like there's three lanes like you've got jumping you've got neutral and you've got crouching yeah exactly Same way in beautiful joe like for instance your high dodge actually does raises hitbox so you are susceptible to attacks from above if you do a high dodge for example so you've still got those three levels and of course a high dodge still counts as a jump so you can do um
0: attacks from a high dodge and so on yeah through let's touch on enemies um i don't think we can um in the time that we have run through every single enemy type but i think it's worth kind of touching on some highlights any particular favorite enemies that when you come across it's like yes this is a great combo opportunity etc cetera, etc cetera. yeah there's tons
1: there's so many little things like for instance the The first one that is quite important to notice against the Bianchis, the standard little foot soldiers, Mm -hmm. is that when they enter their attack animations, there's a certain amount of time, there's a certain window in which you have to guess which way they're going to attack. If you guess right, they will instantly attack and get stunned. So it's like that's something you can go for once you get the ukemi, the, mm. the safe fall. So if you get it wrong, you can still safe fall and negate the damage. But that's something. That's something where if your combo timer's is running out, you can sometimes go for it to try and to force an attack. And then there's there's tons of stuff like that for every single enemy type. Like, for instance, the Bianchi boxers, the slightly heavily armoured versions of the Bianchis with the boxing gloves. Against them, if you interrupt their uh, attack animations with a slow attack, you instantly stun them. There's so many little bits and pieces like that. Like a, with every single enemy type, there's a little gimmick that aids you to get really ridiculous combo scores against
2: them. And the, the standard Bianchi's—they're basically no threat once you know a little bit of what you're doing, right? Yeah. But you can yeah. use them as uh, projectiles in slow to start hitting other other enemies uh, and keep your keep your timer, your combo going. Yeah,
1: yeah that's right. Like, so,
2: you, you launch you launch them diagonally with a kick. Mm-hmm. Or you lo- launch them vertically with a, with an uppercut into flying enemies above you, for example. Or yes. you uh, give them a straight punch to launch them horizontally into other enemies and, uh, and damage them that way. Yes, and
1: against uh, stronger enemies, once you do your v-point routine and then enter slow, if you smash them against the wall, that smash would most probably not kill them. So you can smash them again and again by alternating kick and punch moves and mm. you can get really crazy multipliers off them.
2: Yeah, there's there's so much room for, for creativity and
1: so much nuance to it. Yeah, there's yeah. tons. Like even like the number of enemies within a wave makes a massive difference. Like for instance, you can keep a combo going um, between enemy waves. If there's like a, a, a group of three enemies and two more jump in as you kill two of them, get your V points against all three of the first ones and then get your multiplier against the last two or get rid of two and get your multiplier against the last three, so on. There's so much... Technique to it.
0: There's so many strategies. The the enemies that I ended up kind of mastering the dodge, stun, and then uh, slow attack with were the Crow Marty yes. enemies, the yeah. ones that have uh, multiple hits yes. after they indicate when they're going to attack. I love so you that. Have to, so if they indicate high, you have to go high, low, high, low, and then go into slow. Yes. Um, I, I, that's when the game kind of woke up for me as kind of like a serious, serious action game. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas with you know before with the uh, regular Bianchis, it was very very especially on you know I you know I played on kids, so um, the VFX meter is a lot more generous on that difficulty yeah. than it is on uh, than it is on uh, on adult. But even with that considered, um, these particular enemy types were a little bit tricky to get a handle on just because if you went slow a little bit too early and they're still attacking, um, your attack is not going to interrupt their attack and they're still going to give you a, a nasty surprise. So, um, yeah, learn learning to kind of get that timing right, especially when there were multiple of them on the screen was, yep. was a real pleasure.
2: On a on a pure survival level, if you're not playing for score, there are two uh, moves that are really uh, will really become your friend if you're just trying to get through the game alive. Which mm-hmm. are the uh, slow slow zoom uh, punch and a slow the zoom slow kick zoom with I we yeah. mentioned before. But the, the slow zoom punch is something that you usually always use to retaliate uh, after yes. you open up a boss for uh, and made him vulnerable, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. If you want to deal decent damage in in a short amount of time, the slow zoom punch that's your best friend.
2: Yeah. But there's yeah. also
1: slow zoom down punch, which is an uppercut against certain enemy types that can be used to farm V points and so on. But like for survival. There's like, for instance, if you've got a barrage of projectiles coming at you, slow zoom, excuse me, zoom, mark, speed, <laughs> kick. That is incredible because it's that 360 kick, but it, it goes up like ridiculous speed oh, and wow. nothing, can t- nothing can touch you when you do
2: that. <laughs> I haven't even tried this. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Slow, mark, speed, <laughs> kick.
1: What do you Zoom, mark, speed, kick. I'm going to get it right once. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> The the max speed red hot kick, that's where you get this whole like sort of flames around you as well, right?
1: That's the zoom red hot
2: kick. Yeah, so like zoom what red it is, hot kick. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's the first, that's
1: true, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The normal speed, normal version of the red hot kick will perhaps knock a small Bianchi enemy down. But the the slow version really blasts enemies and it will do so diagonally but the flaming version the zoom version actually goes through enemies and it also sets enemies on fire and fire deals damage over time and it also triggers certain behaviors like for instance if you're fighting alistair do it against alistair and he will immediately run for that pool of water on the stage so you can use that for your to your advantage you make him run for the pool batter him when he gets to the pool then he jumps out and you set him on fire again go back to the pool batter him again (laughs) He can't get out of it that's so funny
0: (laughs) We we should um, we should probably move into the uh, the bosses actually because we're uh, we're starting to veer on on that territory. So we'll we'll talk about these guys one by one actually because I think they're deserving of their spotlight. Um, so first of all, um, there there are um, a few uh, mini uh, battles with Captain Blue, but they're more tutorials. Mm. So I don't think they really count yeah. as uh, boss uh, boss battles. But the first boss battle proper is again. Charles III, a, a bat like organism who can split <laughs> into multiple robot bats. Um, I have to say, personally, this guy wasn't too much of a challenge. And uh was pretty simple to take out. Yeah, yeah, he's no problem. I mean, he's got an attack where he throws projectiles
1: at you. You simply have to lead them high, lead them low and duck under them uh, or jump over them. He's got another attack where he goes from side to side across the screen. If you punch him in the face, he falls down. It gives you a free chance to attack. Another one, he drops rocks from the ceiling. Again, kick the rocks at him, he falls down. But the trick against him is that you can kill him in about a second if you throw a shocking pink, and then throw a boomerang. dash into him with marked speed, hit slow, punch him, he's dead,
2: <laughs> because what happens to I think, to yeah, is, you should, I, think I, I saw it in a video you posted yeah, on YouTube. Yeah.
1: Even yeah. on like Ultra V That's and V-Ray, yeah. do that once and he's done. He's done, <laughs> like, he's done. Even um Magnificent, well. what's it called? Magnificent Five, whatever it's called, do it on that, he's
0: done. <laughs> so uh, next up, and uh, the challenge ramp- ramps up a bit. Here we have Hulk Davidson, yeah. a dinosaur a rhino, uh, man. type creature, holding a mighty uh, axe. Um, Yeah, uh, this guy has a few attacks, so he'll do kind of like a low sweep of the axe, Um, he'll have missile attacks, he has a charge attack, he'll throw the axe around so it kind of just orbits around the stage. Um, he has some other attacks that I'm probably forgetting that I'm sure you guys will remind me of. But, um, yeah, um, this guy actually did give me a bit of a challenge. Um, I, it, it didn't take me ages to figure him out. Um, mainly uh, mainly could I think mainly my problem was I was too eager to go into slow and kind of immediately attack him but that's not not the way to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got to wait for that sweep, uh, low sweep attack yes. dodge that, get some hits in and then uh, when he does that charge wait for him to hit the wall yeah. and then start attacking him there you got it. And, and of course kind of deflecting any missiles he sends your way um, how, how did you guys feel about this guy?
2: When I first started uh to- Uh, playing the game this yeah this guy gave me a lot of trouble as well this was where i started to figure out uh i needed to use that slow uh slow zoom punch uh, Mm -hmm. chain um to start doing some actual damage to him and yeah just i remember that when i f- first started using it just how incredibly satisfying it was it's like uh e honda's uh hundred hand slap oh, <laughs> but yeah, <it> uh, <laughs> in slow motion <laughs> instead of going yeah. <laughs> super fast and you when when you start hitting him it has this because of the slow motion and the sound effects it has this like this
1: yeah, yeah
2: it's huge. This, that sort of echoey heavy punch sound effect to it which is greatly satisfying mm-hmm. and uh But yeah, he was—he was the first uh, roadblock in the game for me. Oh wow! See what it is—it's like you can force him to block, and like
1: you just got to try and break his axe. If you break his axe, he's—he's yours. And if you couple that with all of the stuff by, you know, like letting him hit the wall and all the rest of it, you can whittle him down really quickly.
2: Yeah, I think almost all uh, bosses have this kind of uh, uh, these kind of tactics uh, to them where you can destroy them real quickly, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: There's always something within their routine which sets them up for a fall. And you yeah. got to find that thing and exploit it.
2: Would you think that's intentional design?
1: Yeah, oh, yeah, definitely. All of them have it. They've all got mm-hmm. like this Achilles heel. And if you find it, it's... It's curtains for
0: them. Um, so next up, um, and, and for me, this guy was the kind of second hardest fight in the game for me, uh, probably. Um, we have Graham Bruce, <laughs> a Street Shark fellow. Um, who's uh, he's, I love this guy. He's pretty. He, I love, him I love well. the chat at the beginning with this guy. He's so funny. He's so silly, man. He's so dumb. <laughs> <laughs> Um, So Grand Bruce has a number of shark-like abilities, um, the most deadly of which for me was this charge attack where he gnashes his uh, teeth as he's coming towards you. He moves in straight lines but will change direction, so you have to dodge and jump out of the way. Otherwise, you'll get caught in his teeth, and if you're not quick to mash the buttons on your controller, um, he will do some serious damage. Um, uh, The first couple of times I uh, fought this guy, I wasn't aware that you could limit the damage he can do to you by mashing some but i don't know if i the thing is all i know is that mashing buttons prevented me from getting damaged i don't even know if specific buttons was helping me or if yeah, there's yeah. a specific button
2: i should have been pressing yeah it's probably the same thing as with the little bats when they grab a hold of you right you the, yes, the directional yeah. you mash a, uh, the directional stick or you you i, ma- you I must have been ma- mashing that yeah in different but, directions
0: uh, i was mashing all buttons yeah, yeah. in
2: desperation just <laughs> <Because> mash over
0: <laughs> not being everything guys uh, fish food um, yeah and, and that attack when I didn't know uh, I could do that was causing me a lot of problems because he kept I wasn't fast enough um, sometimes to, to dodge that attack and it causes a lot of damage if you're not aware that you can do that so he also has the ability to summon water onto the stage so you could, he can swim around and your movement is uh, uh, adjusted as well um, he'll be able to summon metallic piranha that can uh, stick you in place for a little bit, which can be troublesome uh, when combined with the former attack I mentioned. He'll also summon some mines, um, which are deadly to you, but equally deadly to him uh, if he initiates that, uh, that gnashing attack and you manage to catch him while he's still got a bomb in his mouth. You could do a lot of damage to him that way. Um, And he also has a tailspin attack that he does when um, the designers of the game have decided that you've uh, done enough punching for one (laughs) session and you should give Grand Bruce a bit of a break. Um, Yeah, uh, this as i mentioned this guy was difficult for me um but i think he was a he he, again this was a fun one to master um i think especially kind of learning that um that trick with the bomb you know tricking him into swallowing his own mind and then going into slow and then doing a zoom in kind of punch attack directly on the bomb and then kind of following up with several more punches doing like a lot of damage to him in quick. success session was uh, was really satisfying also he can heal it's worth mentioning i'm usually not a fan of bosses that can heal themselves but it's such a great opportunity to get some extra damage on him yeah you do more uh, when than- he starts doing that animation that it didn't bother me so much yeah, yeah. If you can mark speed
1: over to him, like that's 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 what you need to do. You you beat him up until he has to heal, and then you mark speed over to him while he's healing, and you get another opportunity to attack, and you do even more damage on him. There's another thing as well. You can stop his biting animation. You can stop most of his attack animation with the boomerang. Like it'll stop him no matter what.
2: It's quite interesting how the the boomerang as an aside and the shocking pink uh, are really useful tools, more useful than you probably realized on your first playthrough. Definitely. You have
1: no idea how good they are. Even against Hulk Davidson, you think, oh, I can't interrupt him. Yes, he can.
0: If you throw a boomerang at him, he'll interrupt anything he's doing. And then we move on to uh, another Joe... Which um, I feel like every action game needs to have a point where you're <laughs> fighting a clone of yourself. That's just the rules. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah. Because um, you're the most godlike this character. Was, to be honest with you, this was one of the less memorable fights for me, just because I was kind of surprised by how easy this ended up being. Yeah. Um, just because it, it, it became a simple case of kind of when he made clones of himself. Kind of slowing things down, zooming in, doing the zoom spin kick and um, kind of taking out all the clones that are charging towards me. And then when he pops up near you, just dodging, stunning, and then, you know, following up with some slow attacks. Um, This guy didn't prove too much of a difficulty for me.
2: Yeah, I would have liked this fight to have been more of a fighting your own clone with the or your own, you know, uh, rival with the same abilities uh, kind of thing because it became more of a... Following him around the stage and, and dealing with his clones and trying to get the, re- the the correct version of him.
1: Yeah, I found the same thing. Like, for instance, like, if you stay on top of him and keep hitting him, he doesn't get a chance to do the clones. And even if you miss him, he still has to teleport away anyway, which makes which makes it impossible for him to do, to do the clones. So you can stay on top of him and he's done. You know what I mean? Like when he does the slow zoom kick, do the slow zoom kick because it, it, it just sort of cancels each other out.
2: Yeah, you're pretty much uh, invulnerable when you use it. So is he. Yeah,
1: but it was cool. It's cool. But he's he's
0: he's just a build up for Alastor anyway.
2: Yeah, he's the main yeah.
0: <laughs> And speaking of Alistair, um, our horned friend, um, yeah, um, this this was a more interesting fight. I think. Um, I mean, they've they've dropped the clone gimmick. This guy has a more kind of uh, cohesive um, identity as a boss, like the others we fought. Um, and I, I kind of liked the. Uh, <laughs> the gimmick of him going to the pool after <laughs> he's uh, gone into the lava and trying to. Uh, trying to cool himself down and using that as an opportunity to get some extra damage on him. And just like the stones kind of orbiting around the stage, firing lightning and and stuff like that, like at first was kind of an irritation, but then you realised that all of those stone statues had uh, cheeseburgers, (laughs) juicy, (laughs) tasty cheeseburgers hidden inside of them. So actually you were kind of praying for him to summon some (laughs) of those things just to top up your health um, yeah, um, th- this was—it it wasn't. I wouldn't say it was a challenging fight. I, it's probably one of the easier fights, but it was more mechanically interesting than uh, than another Joe. Yeah, definitely.
1: I love the way he's Dante's sword. I love how he's got all of Dante's stuff, like Stinger, and Round Trip, and Vortex, and all that kind of stuff. It's... is. <laughs> I was just fanboying out.
2: (laughs) (laughs) This this is also something I've come to realize. A lot of the boss fights in Beautiful Joe, they're not just, you know, you versus a boss in an arena. The arena itself matters as well. It's uh, highly, they're highly environmental in nature.
1: If Alastor's behavior, like you you mentioned, the way you can make him go into that pool, because if you you know if he goes into that pool, he's going to be standing there for a minute. That gives you a chance to attack
0: um, just out of curiosity, um, but, uh, seeing as there's lightning in this stage and he has to go into a pool of water, is, 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 does, is there an opportunity to shock him in the water or is that something I've just imagined? Oh my gosh. I've not even thought of that. That could be a thing. Knowing <laughs> this game, that
1: honestly could be a thing. Well, I, I, I haven't seen any evidence of it, but, uh. But stuff like that, those are the questions that you need to ask. It is really interesting. Like, for instance, I had an idea earlier that maybe the shocking pink bomb readying animation could be used to freeze the combo timer. Because, like, you know, like, for instance, the taunt freezes the combo timer in Bayonetta. I thought they might have done something like that, but it didn't lead anywhere. But then that question always leads to things. Like for instance, if you play Platinum's um, Transformers Devastation, those kinds of questions lead you into discovering really useful things. Like for instance, to maintain the Overdrive gauge in that game, which is like a gate, uh, an, a hidden gauge which determines your attack power and the property of certain attacks and so on. But in order to maintain that gauge, if you if you move at top speed in vehicle form. You will maintain that date, that gauge, so you can use that to to do to keep the the uh, the gauge active between enemy waves. So I'm mm. sure there's something like that in Beautiful Joe, because even in um the wonderful 101, you could do that. You, you know the the unite tent, the unite tent of all things used to freeze the combo timer i swear it was that it was the most random thing and i'm thinking what on earth can you use that for <laughs>
2: like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's crazy and, and very useful uh for a, a player like me who's uh doesn't have great executions so to exploit a lot of uh, cheap stuff to keep the combo timer going and get a good ranking anyway
1: the thing the thing about beautiful joe is this is that the, the, the way the combo system works and the key to getting high scores is also the key to dealing damage to enemies most efficiently. Mm. So learning one is not in, exclusive to learning the other. Like you have to learn it. And like if you learn how the combo system works, you will make short work of the enemies and, and even the bosses as well. It all fits within this, this, this framework.
2: Yeah, and that's, those are often the most elegant systems when the two mm. work together, the scoring system and uh, yeah, basically the uh, goal of survival.
1: That's why I think a lot of people had problems with it, because the game doesn't communicate its system very clearly. So mm. if you go in and you simply punch and kick enemies and expect that to be, you know, the, the means in which you deal damage, it, it, it's not. But the, the thing is, the game doesn't categorically
0: tell you that. So, we move into the uh, notorious boss rush of uh, episode six. Um, Before we launch into our own personal opinions, uh, I just want to read out this rather critical uh, forum post from Sean's Thomas. I don't often become one of those gamers that swear, curse, throw a controller across a room, or take a recent purchase to a trade in store out of spite, but Beautiful Joe was the game that did that to me. I found it pretty hard from the off, but the reviews and my love of Okami had caused me to persist. The brawling platforming was colourful, tight, and rewarding for the most part. Every frame looked stunning, and I gradually felt more and more of a total badass as the game progressed. That was until that boss rush section. Well... I'd just like to publicly extend my middle finger to that tiresome game-ending part of the title right now. What on earth were they thinking? Boss rushes are generally a terrible idea at the best of times. You've beaten them all once before, so a return either cheapens the earlier encounter or becomes a dull affair. But this one was grossly unfair and offered no ability to save between them individually. I could often beat three or four of them in a sequence um i should point out if you beat four of them there should be a soft checkpoint uh before fire leo but never mind (laughs) um but uh but struggled to make it to the bitter end i tried and tried for a fortnight until the anger frustration lack of tears left to cry and sheer sense of futility overwhelmed me I returned a decade later to give it another go, but you can imagine how well that went. <laughs> so, gentlemen, um, the boss rush. I think this is a good uh, point to kind of briefly mention the uh, mention the structure of the game. Um, so, uh, you have the episodes, and you have checkpoints in between. And now there are uh, two variants of checkpoints. There's the soft checkpoints, where if you run out of lives, uh, you'll go back to that checkpoint. But if you quit the game, you have to start from earlier, um, so that before that checkpoint. And then there are checkpoints where you get an opportunity to save, and if you lose all your lives there, you'll um, you'll return to that checkpoint, like the soft checkpoint. But if you quit the game, uh, you can return exactly where you were. So throughout most of the game, most people aren't bothered by that. That's fine. Um, But this becomes a point of contention for a lot of people at episode six, where the game asks you to defeat four of the previous bosses in a row with no checkpoint in between them and no save point in between them. And also, after the fact... Uh, you ha- there's a soft. To be fair to Beautiful Joe, there is a soft checkpoint before him, but it, this boss rush is followed by the hardest boss fight in the entire game, <laughs> and you can't save. You have to just. You have to complete the the run uh, on that session. Otherwise, you have to do the whole boss rush again and then fight Fire Leo again. Um, that all being said, I have to be honest. I wasn't actually that frustrated with the boss rush. Was mm. I. Um, and I know that's running counter to the popular opinion, but I have to say, I really enjoyed getting to know these bosses yeah. as well so as was required in order to get past this. Yeah. And I actually ended up having a lot of fun with this boss rush, yeah. which I know is going to annoy some people when they hear this, but... I, I loved it I couldn't agree more It's the same with me
1: Like I like to get the most out of these games So I'm not looking to just just run through the story mode And just blunder my way through the levels I will repeat a level over and over Until I'm happy that I've learnt What that stage has got to, to teach me And having the challenge set can you know? Can you do all of these bosses all at once You can do them all individually But can you do them all It's like yeah challenge accepted Let's go I, I really loved it like the, the, like get, getting through it and then and then beating fire leo afterwards you know it's, it's just a testament to your own ingenuity you know you've come out with your own um strategies and your own techniques and your own routines mm-hmm. and you just got to go through the motions and you know get it
2: right I, I i absolutely loved it um i can just imagine though that for some people who are approaching the game differently that kind of challenge <laughs> maybe they would prefer it as an optional challenge rather as a roadblock block for them on the game also, in Beautiful Joe, once you know how to beat them, they're not very difficult to beat them anymore.
1: No, they're not. Yeah, you have control over the whole fight. You have all the tools available to you. It's up yeah. to you to come up with the way to use them most effectively.
2: Yeah, yeah. And I, I must say, this was a major roadblock block for me uh, when I originally played the game, uh, because you know the. A lot of easy games had made me soft at the time. Mm. Uh, so. Um, but it wasn't actually the boss rush that gave me trouble, it was just Fire Leo, the guy at the end. So mm. every time I would, after having getting, uh, given up on it and feeling frustrated, every time I uh, I would report, uh, uh, return to it, the, the boss rush was something I would just generally coast through. It was just Fire Leo who gave me a lot yep. of trouble.
1: See, and like, also it's really helpful to have all the bosses in one place. Like a game like Beautiful Joe, it doesn't have a stage select. So having all the bosses all in one place gives you an opportunity to really learn yeah. them and really get a, get an intimate relationship with how all their their attacks work and how to deal with them. Before no before you know it, you'll be able to breeze through them. I assure you. I guarantee it.
0: Let's uh, let's talk about Fire Leo, who um, uh, alongside this uh, this boss rush is also notorious um, for being not only one of the most difficult bosses in this game, but one of the most difficult bosses. Full stop. Um, so, speaking personally, um, th- this ended up being a Ornstein and Smo Artorius of the abyss uh, abyss situation where. Yes, absolutely. Fire Leo is tough beyond anything else in this game. However, um, I, I I found him a pleasure to master. Mm. Um, like like he doesn't break any rules. Like he's not he's not cheap. I don't find this boss to be cheap. He has. A lot of attacks that are very deadly, and if you don't know what you're doing, they'll kill you very quickly. Mm -hmm. But equally... If you master those attacks, if you understand the reaction that you must have to each of his uh, uh, each of his abilities, he becomes incredibly fun yeah, yeah, uh, to take down. So some of his att- attacks include, just to, to to run through them, he will summon a bunch of meteors from the sky, which will litter the stage. He will charge towards you. Um, he will fire uh, tons of fireballs at you. Um, he has a shield that he'll block your attacks with a basic slash attack um, and then once you've destroyed his shield he'll start going into a tornado attack where you have to dodge five of his attacks in a row to open up open him up to heavy damage now learning kind of the pattern and the pattern for me and I'm sure I've seen in fact I've seen saw do this on his video so I'm sure he'll um, kind of go into more detail with this um, but the, my pattern was Go into, um, you know, speed up, um, start punching the meteors on the floor. Punch, 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 punch until I'm on fire. Suddenly, I am now immune to all of his fire attacks coming towards me. And that that revelation (laughs) was so so mind-blowing because up until that point... Like you're you're trying to jump past these fireballs, trying to dodge them, etc. etc. It's not working. They're just landing every single time, and it's just you're how do I beat this guy? And then you when you realize that you can go into max speed, punch, punch, punch that boulder until you're on fire already, and then none of those attacks are doing anything to you, and you could just zoom straight to him. That was just I it opened up the boss fight. Then you take Take out his shield, yep. and then he starts doing that um, tornado attack. You dodge five in a row, and then he open he opens up. In you know, he gets stunned, and it opens him up to slow down, zoom punch several times, doing massive damage, and then rinse and repeat. You got it. Um, that sounds simple uh, to someone just listening to this podcast, but trust me, the execution of that takes a lot of practice and a lot of skill. But my god, was an adrenaline rush (laughs) to kind of figure that out and the feeling of accomplishment after beating this boss. Just... At like up there with Ornstein and Smo, um, Artorius of the Abyss finally beating uh, Super Meat Boy. All of those like really challenging but really fair encounters and, and moments and games. It's just like a real fist pump moment, and I I absolutely love this boss fight. Yeah, yeah, you've absolutely nailed it. That's that's the Fire Leo technique.
1: <laughs> that's, that's it down to a T.
2: I was not prepared for this level of challenge in the game when I uh, played it back in the day so i i was just really i knew how to do it in uh, uh at a certain point but i was just really like being very clumsy you know just running around on max speed falling down those holes uh in the stage <laughs> and just <laughs> generally making a mess of things but uh yeah it took me a long time back in the days i think i may may have uh dipped in and out of the game over a period of two months until i finally got him back then this time around it was uh, i did it a lot faster
0: so do you have any kind of secret uh, techniques to share with our listeners? Oh, against Fire Leo? I don't think there's much to add other
1: than what you've said. Like what you've said is the boss strategy down to a T. The only thing that I would suggest, if if people are still finding it difficult, if he's going into his tornado attack and you've got the VFX turbocharger equipped, the one which speeds up the recharge rate of your VFX meter, you can pulse slow. And you still get a net gain of VFX. So you're not actually wasting any VFX by doing it. So you just pulse slow over and over and it makes his attacks easier to dodge. But then, you know, once you get used to it, like for instance, the game throws fire Leo at you as a normal enemy
0: later, <laughs> you know, yeah. and it's like,
1: yeah, you know how to deal with him now. Go and do it. Do it over and over again. I love it. It's too good. <laughs> like...
0: yeah. but, but, uh, but again, like McKeel um, M- mentioned before, the boss fights are not just the enemy you're fighting. It's the arena that you're fighting them in. And uh, even though, yes, you, Fire Leo becomes a regular enemy later on, just, be- just because they've changed the arena slightly, um, he's considerably easier to take out in his metal variants. Um, just... Yeah, just because you're not in a lava stage where you can fall down holes every uh, 12 seconds. <laughs> um, so let's kind of move on to the final boss. Uh, uh, final bosses, I should say, um, who are considerably easier, I would say, than Fire Leo, um, much more entertaining and showy rather than difficult. We've got the Omnipotent King Blue, which uh, uh, which is visually spectacular. Uh, basically, you kind of enter your your equivalent you, in Power Ranger talk. It would be your Zord, or um, that you enter. Um, I believe it's called the what, what's it called, McKeel? Six Magin, I think. Yeah, uh, six machines. I, I always
2: yeah. heard six machine uh, back in the days. Six
1: machines, the yes. spaceship. Six Magin is the humanoid robot.
2: Yeah, exactly. That's what mm-hmm.
1: you're
0: in at the end, right? And um yeah, you're fi- you're fighting a uh, a giant uh version a robot version of uh of uh Captain Blue. 'Cause uh spoiler alert, it turns out that he was the mastermind behind all of this all along. Yeah. Um and you're you're fighting him in the sky. It's pretty simple. Um, I would say um, you're kind of. He's kind of in the background for a lot of the fight, kind of firing lightning at you, uh, summoning um, die fighters yeah, die towards fighters. you, and, <laughs> and missiles and and what have you. Um, but um, I think there's plenty of opportunity to kind of deal some heavy damage to him, and his attacks are fairly easy to avoid. Um, I don't know if you guys feel differently.
2: No, I think at the, at that point it. The game is already a celebration. It's already like a big celebration of the ending. There's not much of a a challenge there to uh, see you through to the end anymore. Yeah,
1: Hmm. yeah. Once you know how to dodge his lightning attacks, and you you get an opportunity every single time to attack him and deal heavy damage during that die fighter sequence. Whenever he whenever he summons the die fighters, go in a slow zoom punch him, and you deal a ton of damage, and and various different lightning attacks you can dodge simply by standing on the spot and, uh, sorry, sitting on the spot and crouching. You know, they they, they will materialise around you rather than directly at you.
0: And then uh, we finish off with Captain Blue himself, which is very reminiscent of those uh, tutorial fights with him that we mentioned earlier on. The difference is that, you know, uh, the gloves are off. We're, uh, we're fighting for real this time. And um, yeah, he he's still he's still very easy though, um, and I would say he's probably the the easiest boss in the entire game, apart from Charles III. Charles III is definitely the easiest <laughs> boss, but this guy would probably be second easiest in terms of the predictability of his attacks and how easily it is to you know chain chain a combo and and start dealing some heavy damage on him. Yeah, he he absolutely crumbles to slow zoom punch. So
1: like by by yes. that stage of the game you can absolutely annihilate him. It's kinda of like Gradius, you know, like when you go through Gradius and then yeah. you get to the last boss and the last boss you can destroy in one hit. <laughs> it's that kind of thing.
0: Right. Just to wrap up some uh other kind of uh mechanical bits and bobs that uh show up in the game, there are a few puzzles that show up in this game, surprisingly, for a game with so much combat focus. Um, a lot of it re- revolves around um, the slowing and speeding up of time. None of them are particularly hard, um, but they are quite funny uh, and fun to pull off. Um, a favourite of mine, a favourite of a lot of people, is kind of slowing down the, uh, the bus so that it can uh, fly over <laughs> the the rev- not sorry not slowing it down, speeding it up so it can fly over the ravine. Yeah, you actually and you, you can- use the
2: slow uh, function to uh, make the uh, the jet uh, rocket <laughs> engines uh, yes. build up, and then when you release when you release it, you fly over it. Yeah,
1: Yeah, it's another thing. The visual language all the way through the game carries through, and it's consistent throughout. Like for instance, you learn that slowing down boost the power of rocket engines. And it's like that yes. throughout the entire game. If you ever see a rocket, it's like, yeah, do that. And it will work.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a clever use of your, your combat abilities to, mm. uh, to solve little, little puzzles and, uh, and pieces
0: um so i'm going to run down some of the items that are important for the game as well we've mentioned uh cheeseburgers um and the, there are various different versions of them that you encounter during the game you can just buy a regular cheeseburger in the store that restores uh some health um but you can get a full cheeseburger and fries and a a cola or what have you that replenishes more of your health. It's just a simple health item, really. Um, You have Shocking Pink, which is a a bomb that you can buy that if you hold down the kick button, uh, Joe will summon a bomb that you can kick towards the enemy and click slow to create a bigger explosion. Uh, you've also got the boomerang, um, which, is uh, Saul was mentioning, can be used to interrupt enemies and, and so forth and so on. That's activated by holding down the uh, punch button. Um, but more importantly, and, and this becomes more and more important depending on what difficulty setting uh, you've chosen, is the V film. So the the V film um is the stuff that you use to expand your V effects meter. Yeah. Um and you're always go you always go back to the default amount at the beginning of each episode and you're basically trying to uh increase it as the episode goes along. Um it is important to note that if you lose all your lives um, it goes back to the default amount again, which is why it's kind of important to manage your lives and make sure that you're, you don't use them up because actually that, that, uh, that uh, VFX meter becomes more and more valuable as the game goes along, uh, especially taking out some of the bosses. But let, let's talk about that in the context of the higher difficulty settings. Now um, I played this on kids which I mentioned before which for many is would consider kind of normal difficulty. Um, there's also adult um, which is harder than that. Um, I believe well, I know Saw definitely has completed it on adult, but yeah. I know, Mikheel, um, you've uh, played about with it recently. Do you guys want to kind of briefly discuss kind of um, how much of a difference that makes?
2: Going from, from kids to adults, uh, I mean, back in the days, kids was uh, quite, quite challenging for me, but adult is where you feel like this might just be the difficulty, the core difficulty that the game is balanced around because now you really have to plan and strategize using your vfx powers you can't just use them willy-nilly as uh, as soon as you hit that slow button your meter will drain much uh, much faster so you need to have a game plan once you enter it for example of how to uh, defeat enemies as quickly as possible and you just just generally you have to, it adds a whole whole layer of tactics so going back to kids after that it feels much more easygoing uh as uh rough as that may sound for people who had a tough time like me back in the days of uh completing it for you so
0: um i'm sure you've you've played adults but i'm also sure you've played uh v-rated and possibly even ultra v-rated yeah that's right um can you sp- can you speak to your experience uh, with those even higher difficulties yeah sure
1: i started on adult Um, and I found myself, um, once I got, once I got familiar with the game and I was comfortable with the enemy types and so on, that I was limited by the sorts of enemy waves I was being presented with. Um, I could take the combos much further. Like for instance, there are, Um, red VFX uh, juice bottles hidden throughout the stages and if you know how to get them you get an infinite VFX meter and you can do ridiculous combos off of that like you can max the combo out at 9999 so like I'm always trying to get bigger and bigger combos and we're like so like when you play v-rated you're presented with enemy types which present you opportunities to do these bigger combos and you can take the game so much further like the like for me adults was like the the, the training run and then v-rated is when the game began like it's so much more fun
2: also on v-rated or ultra v-rated uh do the skulls disappear the, the attack signifiers of high and low that's in
1: um that's in ultra v Ultra like heavy. you really have to have your enemy game down because there's no attacks there's no attack mark markers so you have to look at the animations you have to listen to the sound effects and yeah <laughs> it's
2: <laughs> it's yeah, yeah it's cool b- by the time you should be in tune enough with the game where you where you don't need them anymore actually right
1: i think by the time you get good at v-rated you'll be ready to deal with ultra v like for instance it's the same way when you play any good stylish action game it was the same way in bayonetta when i was working on the guide for that and i finished hard mode and i was like yo this is so good i finished hard mode, then you see like non-stop infinite climax and it's like oh i've got no witch time like that fundamental <laughs> crutch that I had throughout the entire game. You're, you're going to take that away? And it's like, all right, then bring it. So it's like you play that and it's like, you know what? I don't need witch time. If anything, witch time gets in the way. I don't need it. Seriously, like it changes the game so much. If you're, if you're willing to go with that flow, you won't want to go back. Like going back to adults for me now, it feels like the game is running in slow motion
2: wow <laughs> it's so hard for me to even imagine that speaking as a as an aside about <laughs> that, like which time is slowing me down that's just crazy to imagine like, that's what I feel it was like whole like, yeah universe but has you know, just expanded
1: like, but seriously <laughs> though like which time is a crutch like it stops you from learning the really deep stuff about the game like how to properly manage crowds of enemies how to properly make sure that you get the exact hit reactions that you want you know what i mean and then you've got the thing as well where if you complete it in a in a fast time you get the bracelet you get the bracelet of time the bracelet of time is manual witch time aka it's beautiful joe if you hit l you get witch time And then suddenly the game changes again. It's like, oh my gosh, I've got 3D Beautiful Joe now. This is too much. The game (laughs) changes completely. (laughs) Like it becomes a completely different game once you start playing it like that. And I'm telling you, I will take this to my grave. Beautiful Joe and Bayonetta are the same game. They're the same game.
0: I, I, I having now uh, gone back to Beautiful Joe, I, I can't argue against that. Um, uh, so much of what I love about Bayonetta is here in two D form in Beautiful Joe, and it's and it's quite a discovery to to find that, and and a pleasure to find that. Um, Uh, before we move off of difficulty and and kind of talk about the wider legacy of beautiful joe i should briefly mention there is an even easier difficulty setting on ps2 called sweet um i'm not sure of uh, the changes that makes i imagine it uh, changes the vfx and how much damage the enemies do um but honestly um I would recommend sticking with kids if you're like me and you're worried stick with kids because I do think this is a case where the challenge um is part of the pleasure of the experience um I can't imagine playing it on uh on anything easier than kids and I, I am actually interested at, at some point in the future trying out adult I don't know if I have the bravery or the courage to go higher than
2: adult but we'll see we'll see with time <laughs> yeah um, um, Maybe good to mention about the PS2 port that it contains a playable 2D version of Dante for of oh Devil May Cry. Gosh! Oh, absolutely! Dante yes, in Dante PS2. makes
0: an appearance, um, our lovable devil slaying friend. Yeah. So there was a sequel um, to Beautiful Joe, Beautiful Joe Two, released on the GameCube and PS2 uh, on uh, in 2004. Um, yeah, uh, uh, have either of you gentlemen uh, had a chance to play this title?
2: Yeah, I have it, but I never really got into it. It just never really felt the same. Um, you have uh, a second character, uh, Sylvia, joins the uh, the battle as, uh, as her uh, superhero, Super Sentai incarnation, sexy Sylvia. And you switch between the characters, but I never really got on with her powers. She has different VFX powers as well. She has a rewind function, which is a little bit gimmicky and doesn't amount to much. Uh, she uses guns, uh, projectile attacks as her main uh, main way of uh, of attacking. And there's more of a focus on the puzzles and the gimmicks than on the actual combat in that game. I feel at least. Maybe I'm wrong. So, did you uh, play Beautiful Joe too?
1: Yeah, I did, and I'm um, I'm gonna play it again um, once I'm done with the, with the original. But um, I had the same problems when I played it back on the uh, on the GameCube when it was released. Um, I felt they took the criticisms of the first game to heart and they reworked it to have more of an emphasis on puzzles and platforming. Sylvia's Power was interesting, the replay. Um, The the 36 Chambers, which is like a series of um, training missions and just free battles, I played that. That's what I played, and I played it for quite a while. There was mm. one chamber in particular where you where you just got waves upon waves upon waves of enemies, and I yeah. remember having great fun with the system. I remember thinking the game system is actually really good. Like what they've done with Sylvia, her new VFX powers really complement Joe's. It's tight. It's beautifully designed, mm. but the game has been hobbled because people complained about the combat of the first one. So it's like, okay... You've got this great system, but you don't have the environment and the enemy sets in which to really make use of it.
2: Right, yeah, yeah, that makes
0: sense. Um, it's interesting um, hearing your guys' opinions on um, on this, actually, because um, having played this and, and, and really fallen head over heels in love with it, um, I was kind of eyeing up the sequel and thinking about playing it. But um, hearing your guys kind of... Tep- not negative but kind of tepid response it's kind of put me off a little bit
2: yeah it's it's i think it's definitely worth checking out and definitely worth playing i just never really got yeah. on with it as much as i did with the first game
1: and there are some memorable bosses in it as well i can't remember what his name is sergeant sergeant john the big t-rex is hilarious it's yeah like t- tackleberry. <laughs> he's a recurring boss academy. right <laughs> yeah yeah he comes back a couple of times rid- yeah yeah just ridiculous bosses and like fire leo's brother or cousin is in it as well
2: <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, like, yeah yeah
0: um so following on from that uh, we have a beautiful joe red hot rumble yeah. which came out on the gamecube and the psp in 2005 mm. any of you guys played this one I had it a- and
2: i reviewed it for uh the website i was working for at the time uh oh. and because i was such a beautiful joe fan i maybe overrated it slightly but it's it's not a very good game it's a it's a Smash Brothers style uh, party fighter, but it's just I feel it was really underdeveloped and uh, maybe rushed out uh, too soon. Uh, and there it's it it has all these little mini games in there that break up the fight uh, all the time. And yeah, there there it lacks customization for starters. Uh, I did think that in a multiplayer setting uh, they realized the uh, V X VFX powers quite nicely. So. You know, it's it's tough to imagine using uh, max speed and slow in a multiplayer setting where you're battling mm-hmm. each other, but they did it through the use of items, uh, kind of Smash Brothers style, so that, that worked out decently alright. But uh, yeah, it, I feel like it was uh, kind of a missed opportunity and uh, a bit underdeveloped. So, uh, apart from uh, appearing in his own games, uh, Joe has also appeared in a number of other games since. Uh, He's appeared in Tatsunoko vs. Capcom, uh, the first release cross-generation of Heroes for the arcades in Wii in 2008, and then again in the worldwide release for the Wii, Tatsunoko vs. Capcom Ultimate All-Stars in 2010. And it's interesting to note that uh, Kamiya uh, remarked on Twitter in one of his uh, infamous uh, uh, tweets that uh, he didn't think that Capcom captured... Uh, Joe's personality very well in that game so he f- felt he's he looked a bit flat and uh, uninterested and didn't exhibit any of his crazy personality traits so then when he returned in Marvel vs Capcom 3 Fate of Two Worlds for the Playstation 3 and Xbox 360 a direct to uh, console uh, vi- uh, fighting game, he. <laughs> the, I think it seems that Capcom took his uh, criticism to heart and they made him stick out his tongue and do all his crazy poses that we're, we're used to and uh, he returned again to uh, the update, Ultimate Marvel vs. Capcom 3, which uh, initially appeared in the same year on P- uh, on PlayStation 3 and Xbox 360, later on Vita, and then finally it was uh, after disappearing off uh, marketplaces and the likes for uh, licensing rights, was returned uh, last year to the PlayStation 4 again, and then this year to the PC and Xbox One. Um, not in, in those games in the, uh, in the Marvel scene, he wasn't uh, a very uh, much played character or very high uh, regarded in tier. But there was in, in 2012, there was a tournament in the US called Final Round uh, 14, in which a Japanese player, and the Japanese uh, are not really known for uh, having a big Marvel scene, but there was a Japanese player called Kusuro who used a, a team of uh, Beautiful Joe. Rocket Raccoon and Frank, uh, Dead Rising Zone Frank West to really wreck the uh, American top players in a very amusing fashion, and he was uh, using a lot of the uh, slow down and uh, max speed supers of uh, of Joe and really exploiting the uh, the air Joe uh, air combos that you can do in the original game as well as in this uh, this fighting game. It's uh, it's definitely something that if you like your fighting games, you should. And you haven't seen this? You should uh, search for Kusorov final round 14. Uh, it's it's really very uh, enjoyable to watch. So then he's uh, he's also been referenced in other games by Clover Studio. Uh, some notable uh, examples were that uh, in uh, the Chihuahua races in God Hand one. Uh, Uh, Chihuahua was was named Beautiful Pup, and in Okami, uh, there's this character uh, called the Onigiri Sensei and when he transforms in the game, he copies uh, the poses that uh, that Joe is famous for. And after that, uh, even though Clover was disbanded, Platinum Games has this uh, real cheeky penchant of still referencing uh, a lot of characters uh, from Clover's past that they don't really own the uh, IP to anymore, but they still do regardless. So uh, in the first Bayonetta, there's a, there was a gravestone in the opening section that read uh, Joe Red Hot Home Run Hitter. Um, when Bayonetta and Enzo in the early section uh, travel in Enzo's car, they pass a road sign uh, which says Movie Land. Um, Enzo was also the stage name of Charles III, uh, the, the famous actor and... Uh, and vampire bad person, uh, the first boss of uh, Beautiful Joe, and there is also a red hot shot shop item in uh, in Bayonetta shop, which is an injection, I believe. Sorry, do you, you you must remember this item uh, very clearly? Yeah, right? yeah,
1: it's like an injection. I think it's just pure hero ness.
2: Right. <laughs> you inject the heroines
1: into your veins. So, of and course, and, uh, the life. wonderful
2: 101 uh, borrows a lot of its overall aesthetic and uh, the Super Sentai and crazy, diminutive-looking superheroes with big heads, this this sort of super-deformed style uh, uh, into it. And the theme song, which was uh, penned by Hideki Kamiya, references, which surely must be Joe as well, uh, where a part when uh, the chorus sings. When the job's too ominous for an average Joe, you know, and when uh, when uh, when Joe uh, loses his uh, beautiful uh, powers and his suit, he turns into average Joe as well. So it must uh, be yeah. a reference, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> and there's uh, unlikable characters as well in the game, uh, namely Postman, who is uh, in reference to beautiful Joe Wonder Cheerleader, who's in reference to uh, Sylvia, and Wonder Movie, who uh, must be referencing uh, Captain Blue. I mean, there's other, there's a lot of stuff in here, but I think I've rattled off the most notable and interesting ones.
0: Um, and also, there's the uh, Beautiful Joe anime series, which I haven't watched a single episode of, but it's there for you to go through if you want to watch a Beautiful Joe anime. Personally, the story wasn't the draw, but there
2: you yeah, go. Yeah, it's cr- it's crazy. I, I mean, as much as I love uh, Beautiful Joe, the character, I've never really had much interest in the anime series. Maybe I love him most as a video game character.
0: Um, let's launch into some forum posts from our wonderful community. Um, if ever you want to uh, get your thoughts read out on future issues, please head over to kaneandrince.com slash forum. Ben 77 million says having only played a handful of Nintendo 64 games before graduating to the GameCube as an impressionable 14 year old my gaming repertoire was somewhat limited upon my first encounter with beautiful Joe. Not yet considering myself an adult, I opted for the game's kids difficulty, and before long, its stylized visuals, infectious attitude, and thrilling mechanics had utterly won me over. Several playthroughs later, I was content to hold Beautiful Joe as my all-time favourite video game. A decade passed with the nostalgia of my first few experiences, rendering the game's uh, pole position in my top ten untouchable. As time passed, though, I began to notice that Beautiful Joe had something of a reputation for being profoundly difficult, one which I could hardly reconcile with my memories of it. In my twenties, my curiosity peaked, and I decided to give it another go to see if I had perhaps been something of a beautiful Joe prodigy uh, in my teenage years. My adolescence behind me, I opted this time for the adult difficulty, and realised shortly after the appearance of the helicopter that the title's notoriously punishing reputation was well deserved. Rather than frustration taking hold, however, the intricacy of the mechanics had me falling in love with the game all over again. This time, the substantial difficulty forced me to become intimately familiar with the full range of Joe's abilities." It was somewhere around my 24th attempt at Fire Leo that I had an epiphany. After having punched the fallen rocks at max speed in order to set Joe aflame so that he could pierce the fiery defence of the otherwise impenetrable seven-foot lion that was barreling towards me on all fours, I realised that in the years that had passed since first touching this title, no other game had offered a moment as intense as this. Instant. Instances like these have made the third dimension feel utterly superfluous in all action games I've played since and the game remains an absolute favorite while Hideki Kamiya has built his career on titles that reward the player for performing with style I truly feel that he will never again make a game as cool as beautiful Joe wow thank you oh wow that was incredible yeah And now we move on to Alex79UK. I first chanced upon Beautiful Joe while browsing a long-dead local independent game store not all that long after it was released. They had a copy on the GameCube for £20, and the cover art along with the screenshots on the back sold it to me. I'd not even heard of the game before then, It turned out to be one of the best games on the system. Upon loading it, I fell in love immediately with the graphics and the comic book stylings, which brought about memories of Sega's Comic Zone. The gameplay was huge amounts of fun, and the more I played, the more depth to the combat was revealed as I upgraded and bought new moves. The speeding up and slowing down of time was something I'm not sure I had ever seen before in a game, although I'm sure it wouldn't have been the first. I found myself relying quite heavily on the zoomed in, slowed down bicycle kick type move, which demolished almost any enemy. The game was so clever though, slowing down the cowboys' bullets to kick back to them. The speeding up of the Hovering fan platforms to reach higher ground, manipulating time to get the bus over the gap, It really was so much fun. Alas, the game had a few insane difficulty spikes, and I'm not ashamed to say I later restarted the game on Kid's difficulty, which didn't seem particularly easier. You just got more lives. Although I own the sequel, it's a game I've not got around to playing yet, but I did play the first one again fairly recently and was pleased to see it looked as gorgeous as ever. When you have such stylized graphics, they never really age. Brief mention goes to the fantastic Nintendo DS Beautiful Joe game, equally as fun as its older brothers, and an excellent level based around Resident Evil. Mm. Beautiful Joe, though, if you want a hard as nails brawler with some very clever game mechanics, you can't really go wrong with it. Great graphics, fun gameplay, and some bone crunching sound effects. Go play it now, and then we finish off with Buzz the
2: Batgirl. Girl. She actually has a defiant art uh, fan page on Beautiful Joe, and she uh, she came running to the sig- when we put out the signal for some uh, some commentary feedback. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, it is indeed,
0: uh, and she says Beautiful Joe is one of those games I'd originally seen and went looks okay, but Meh, not for me. Oh boy was I wrong. Almost four years after falling into the rabbit hole that is beautiful Joe, I co-run a beautiful DA club and keep the Joe love a-running. However, I'm getting ahead of myself as usual, so I should start at the beginning. I kept bumping into it at several points along the years, but nothing clicked until I played a demo of Project P100 as it was known on the title screen, it's since be- it has since become known as the Wonderful 101 on Wii U at Gaming Con around 2012. Playing that game made me hungry to see more of that odd art and gameplay style. Cue me picking up a copy of Beautiful Joe 2 for GameCube at a random London con, trying it for a bit, getting hopelessly lost in its mechanics and popping it back onto my GameCube games rack to gather dust. Time passed and the Wonderful 101 came out, and upon completion, I was hungry for more fast-paced Platinum Games action. Bayonetta 2 wasn't out at the time, and playing the demo at cons weirdly made me motion sick, so I went back to Beautiful Joe 2. Suddenly, everything made sense. Those puzzles that baffled me, the moves and combos that previously had me questioning the controls, suddenly it all made sense. It was like a light had gone on in a dark room. I played it, played it, and played it some more. I just couldn't get enough of it. Had no idea what was going on, but that didn't matter. I was having a lot of fun. Well, except for the 36 Chambers side quest. Hate those. They can go to hell. (laughs) It wasn't until later, much later, did I even come across a copy of the first Beautiful Joe game. I watched through the anime when it was on Crunchyroll for for a time, played Beautiful Joe Red Hot Rumble, played around with the DS game Beautiful Joe Double Trouble, but had yet to play the first game. Yeah, I tend to do things in a weird order. Happens all the time with me. I thought I was going to be in for a fun ride like with the other games, Boy, was I wrong. That helicopter made me restart the first stage at least four times. If there's anything that rubs me up the wrong way, it's forcing me to do something over and over again. Rage-inducing, controller-throwing, and swearing were all things that came from my first playthrough of the first game. It was a self-inflicted adults mode play, so not recommended to anyone on their first play. But damn, it's hard. The stages are hard, health is scarce, enemies just want to kill you everywhere, and those bosses don't hold back any punches. Just when I thought I had the game sussed, that two-word roadblock appeared. Fire Leo. Six months it took me to finally down that fiery, hot-headed devil dog. Six months on one stage. Okay, in my defence, it's a full-on boss rush, then fire Leo. But still, six months. At one point, I left my Wii... I was playing the GameCube version running overnight so I could take on Fire Leo fresh in the morning, but that tactic didn't work. I had friends come round and take turns on the boss rush only for the team to get destroyed by another Joe, the boss before Fire Leo, again and again. Beating Fire Leo is a miracle at first. Heck, getting to him is a challenge in itself. However, that feeling of beating him, forget getting married, having children, buying a house, beating Fire Leo is a life achievement. You will want to post that one on Facebook. This is the first single player game I've come across with such war stories attached to it. Everyone has a story with Fire Leo and or the helicopters or even the Verdi's green flying enemies with jetpacks and bombs. Personally, I hate the Gelbies and the variations of as they can and will throw stuff at you off screen. The game is hard as nails and it Bloomingwell knows it too. However, that's what makes it feel so good to play. When you beat that boss stage, you really do feel like a hero. And you are the hero. You are the best. You are invincible. raging, inducing moments and all. That was a fantastic post from uh, uh, Buzz the Batgirl. Please post on our forum more in future. Right, we uh, move into the free word reviews. Um, we send out a call out for free word reviews on our Twitter uh, account, at Kane Rince, on the day of recording. So keep an eye out on Twitter if you want to get your free word review read out. Um, yes, so... Alex79UK
1: says, Henshinagogo, baby.
2: Roxy says, Henshinagogo, baby.
0: Glenn Watt says, Too damn hard. Tom Hewlett says, peak GameCube era. Gustav Dahl says, anime was cool. James Phyllis says, practice makes beautiful. The Lando Brothers says, your moves.
3: Beautiful.
0: (laughs) Ryan Scully
2: says, fire Leo.
0: Joseph Carley says, "Uh, boss gauntlets suck. John Mayer says, quirky clover goodness.
2: And Sean Thomas says, it bossed me. (laughs)
0: <laughs> fantastic and all that leaves us with is our summaries and uh, i think we'll start with mikhil
2: right yeah so i've got this uh living room right it's fairly muted in uh in colors and uh, it, it looks uh, looks pretty good but i i oh i've planned this uh, all this time to uh, put a painting in there and because it's so muted and uh, I wouldn't say drab looking but it's because it's so muted I wanted to have something really colorful that explodes off the walls. I've got I've still got a kind of spray, cane for, uh, spray can paint that I used uh, for some some uh, wall art in my daughter's bedroom and it's uh, shocking pink in uh, in color. And I've got some other paint, and I got a canvas, and I just want to s- spray paint that canvas, and then paint a uh, a beautiful Joe character over it, and you know, so something that will really bring the living room to life. And that's just exactly how much I love Beautiful Joe, uh, as a character, and just how much that game and that art style embodies everything that i love about video games uh it's made me more passionate about uh about video games in a time where i was kind of losing interest and kind of bouncing off of them and for that and for the just wonderful rush of playing it and for the fantastically interesting mechanics uh, that just reveal layers and layers upon layers of depth uh, the, the more you get into it um i will always love it and i've gone back to it now for this uh, particular podcast and it all came flowing back to me and i just want to get in there as soon as possible again and keep playing on, on my end
0: uh this this has ended up being a, a real uh a find for me and i'm so glad that i um i nominated this uh alongside uh, ninja gaiden for this volume of Kane uh, and Rince because I I just adore this game it's 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 a fantastic side scrolling beat em up and I, and I'm very aware that I've barely scratched the surface in terms of depth but even the amount that I was able to to grab for myself here in this run through was more than enough to to qualify it among my favourites in this genre, um, and also like playing this really made me understand, um, not understand more, just kind of um, uh, reinforce what I kind of knew about myself um, in that. Um, I I I am very aesthetic driven. Um, I I do value uh, great art direction and great sound design and and great music, and that that being there will take a a game that I would otherwise think is good and 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 you know well made into something that's genuinely special. And uh, kind of the the pairing of Ninja Gaiden and and Beautiful Joe kind of really kind of reiterated what my values are and what I care about when it comes to video games and yeah I I really loved beautiful Joe and I and I genuinely think fire leo is amongst the my favorite boss battles in in all of gamedom um, yeah this is a real treat um, I, I recommend it to anyone I d- I don't think it's age a day the only the only problem for me uh, is accessibility um, I, I wish this was really based on some more modern consoles. I, I wouldn't even... Uh, need a HD remaster? Just you know, do what the Sony have been doing and do a you know an emulated uh, version of the game on uh, on PS4 that's slightly upscaled with a slightly better frame rate, and I'm good to go. That's that's all I need. Um, and I and I hope um, the rumours of the GameCube uh, um, Virtual Console on Switch turn out to be true because I would love to own a copy of Beautiful Joe on my Switch. That would be fantastic um yeah uh, go out and play this i think it's a must play it's it's absolutely fantastic um and we finish off uh with our fantastic guest
1: saw hey yeah yeah for me it's like um for the longest time, I've been completely down on gaming. Like modern, the way modern games are now, I don't, I don't find them stimulating anymore. And I've not been playing for years. So being asked to do this podcast has really revitalised everything for me. Playing Beautiful Joe again has made me realise why I love video games in the first place. It's exactly what I'm looking for. It's exactly how to challenge the player. It's exactly how to, you know, put forward this completely. Uh, insane battle that you uh, that the odds seem stacked against you but persevere give it time and then before you know it you'll be absolutely wrecking the thing and you know like you truly do become the hero as the previous poster said
2: uh as a final conclusion i must emphasize that this game has a shark with legs in it you know Any game with Sharks and legs in it are are, are worth worth playing.
0: (laughs) Street Sharks give you an automatic S rank (laughs) in my book, so that's all I'm saying, you know. Um, Um... Before we do the final sign off, um, Saw, are there any videos or guides or anything you've created that you just want to highlight that you think fans of Beautiful Joe would be eager to uh, check out on your end? Oh, my gosh. I'd love to do a a series on Beautiful Joe. And I think um,
1: after this, I may very well do so. Um, the last series i did was on a uh, was on transformers devastation which is another game by platinum games which i very highly recommend i honestly do think it's the greatest system they've created since bayonetta and it's well worth your time if you're into these kinds of games
0: wow i the the, uh, transformers devastation has suddenly uh, leaped up my wish list Uh, (laughs) i'll have to have to get that soon um, so that just remains for me to say thank you, uh, so, and, and honestly, thank you very much, Saul, for coming on this issue. Um, uh, your insight and knowledge on action games has been a huge boon to this issue and um, certainly fills in the gaps uh, in mine and Mikil's knowledge. So thank There's you very much. Oh, yeah. thank you very
1: much for having me on, and thank you very much for everyone listening.
0: And uh, thank you, McKeel, to a lesser extent, because, you know, you're always on here. Um, (laughs) And to all our correspondents and and, and fantastic forum posts. Um, Remember, um, you can contribute to our Patreon. I mentioned it at the top of the show, but it is worth reiterating, if we reach uh, $3,000 by November, we will be doubling our output. So please consider it. Um, Next time on uh, issue 276 we're still side-scrolling but now it's time to shoot them up rather than beat them up as we cover r-type and r-type 2 and so i believe there's a special song that plays in the japanese version of beautiful joe that um, hopefully jay will be playing us out on oh yeah there is beautiful world sung by beautiful joe himself
3: Take 5 your mother. Message me, I'm comes Beat, not It's ビアップ OK call. my show, hey, ready, ready you okay hey, Come on, my name. Cuz This game must ready? you Say this now. Come on. the wall. Tell the wall. and Goes over the You put Technique, we break Oh my day, yeah, is again, say the is follow me the Come on, down the war Arsenal diamond out Beauty coming out